Howdy, howdy, and welcome to My Bloody Judy with your final forgets. Myself, Zachary Patton Garcia. And Ian Carlos Crawford. Hey, guys, we're back on video. We decided to do video again, so we got the hat back and everything. It's, it's We got the hat back. That's the important It's my hairdo. <laughs> Any hat I wear is a hairdo. Um, and we've got Ian. He's got, he has he moved out of the basement and then back into his bedroom. So he does not have to set up. It, it, let me tell you, it was, it was like a, an hour-long setup every time we used to do those episodes on video. Yeah, it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So we are here. We're ready to have a wonderful time, and we are going to be covering. What are we covering, Ian? We're talking about the movie Saint Jude. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Saint. You want to redo that? Yeah. No, we're good. We're gonna really leave that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Uh, we're today. We're talking about the movie Saint Maud. Yeah, this is a movie written and directed by Rose Glass. Um, it stars, I'm going to butcher this name, Morphid Clark as Maud and Jennifer Ely as Amanda. Jennifer Ely was in Pride and Prejudice, I think. Hmm. Um, so these are our two notable stars. There's a bunch of other characters in here, but these are the two that we're going to focus on for the movie. Um, I don't know, overall impressions, what did you think, Ian? Um, I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. I felt very, like, medium about it. Okay. I think... I'm a little bit more than medium on it. I really liked it. I did really, really like it. And I think it's a great effort by Rose Glass. Um, and the performances in it are, are stellar. I think this is, is one of those movies that really makes you remember that horror just gives some of the best performances out there and never gets the recognition for it, right? So, yeah, really liked it, but I didn't, like, absolutely love it, like I do most A24 films. And to be fair, I don't think this is technically an A24 film, it's just distributed by A24. Mm. Um, but we're going to get into it. Uh, it's it's a good one. It's <laughs> it's it's heavy on uh, the religious aspect. I mean, it's called St. Maud. It's a, it's a, it's a, Saint Maud in the movie is this uh, devout Roman Catholic um, who starts to believe that she is sent to save somebody's soul. You know, I actually meant to look up <laughs> because at one point I was like, oh, she's like the vision in Da Vinci Code. What that religion that he is? Does she like hurts herself? That's like a specific Thing. Uh, I don't I, know what it is. I don't. I don't, know. I don't do religion. There's there, there's moments in here, and we can kind of we'll, we'll, when we get to them, we'll talk about them a little bit. But um, a lot with that religion, especially um, in the olden days, they would hurt themselves to sort of appease God or punish themselves. Um, and so we definitely have some of that in here. This movie is not. It does not seem to look favorably on religion. So um, I know that some people are triggered by. S talk of religion or like you know anything blasphemous or or anything that's that's not exactly showing religion in a positive light so here's your trigger warning um i know this because 10 like I, I started to come out of the catholic religion about 10 years ago maybe a little bit more and this movie just watching it it it, it would have set like all of my religious ticks off. I would have been crossing myself throughout the whole movie. I'd been clutching my pearls, my rosary. I'd been like, it would have just created a mess for me um, mentally. And I think it creates a mess mentally for Maud in the movie. And I think it's, it's such a great exploration of like what 
these these kinds of religions will do to somebody if if followed to the extremes that Maud is following then. Okay, wait. Counterpoint. Okay. I think it's just that Maud is like someone who needs to be like in a hospital getting help. I don't think it's like really her religion. I think it's just like she is because I don't like she sees herself as a literal saint. I mean, we get that imagery. So I think it's I, I, I think it's her. I think everything is in her head and she is as as yes, as some religious people do, she's making allowances for the bad things she's doing by calling it religion. Um, which I mean, one could argue that is religion. Uh, but I kind of think it's mostly in her head. Because I mean, like, clearly she's not really hearing God. She's going nuts. Uh, I don't know. That's she's having I... a mental break, and she is somebody who should probably be in a hospital receiving help. Completely agree with that. And it's it's the religion. I don't want to say that that is caused by the religion because that was already there, and we learn in the movie that that was already sort of there. And it's the religious aspect. Her looking, she's a lost person, kind of looking for something, and when she thinks she finds something. That it, her <laughs> being a devout Catholic does not help her at all in this movie. I think right. we just need to get into it because I think it, it's 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 easier to understand as we go through it and kind of like start to unpack Maud and and this character. Opening scene: We have this body lying on a hospital bed. Uh, it's this dead woman. She's covered in blood, and then we see Maud in the corner, also bloody. Yeah, um, which we kind of go back to, but not really. I. I do wish there was a little bit more of like, because I kept wondering as the movie went on, ooh, did like she do something with her religious stuff to kill that person? Or was it like this person died of, you know, like kind of natural causes or whatever, and that kind of triggered, like that was the trauma. And then that her diving deep into religion was like her way of coping. I was like, I kept wondering the balance there. Not that we really needed it, but I would have liked a little bit of like a figuring that out, you know? Yeah, I think when I first watched it, what I kind of took it as was that this is the point we were going to end up at. I thought this was something yeah. from the future and that we were going to lead up to that. Um, but it, it turns out this is this is going to be a flashback. Um, and we we go from that scene to Maud getting ready to begin working at a new nursing position. Uh, and she's praying to God and... She's asking for, you know, she's asking that, that that he takes care of her as she embarks on this new position and this new job. And then she heads off and uh, she, and I, I just never, I never thought of it like this. That, you know, nurses in, in these sorts of positions would have, you know, their own little apartment and then they would just pack a bag and go for like, how long was she like going to be there? Because she like packs a bag, like leaves her apartment and then like walks across town and like walks up this big hill to like this big, big mansion um, of, of the charge that she's supposed to be taking care of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was wondering that too. Cause I, I guess I never really, cause she, but she doesn't No, she is there 24 seven, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She doesn't go back to her place till like she's fired. Um, yeah. The thing I wanted to point out though, when, um, when she's staring at the ceiling, the captions, because I watch everything with captions, just said, like, blood continues dripping. And I thought that was a good caption. Um, and when they put the, when the, it, like, turned to the soup, the tomato soup or whatever it was, I turned over to look at you. And both of us, because we were over, we watched movies over Zoom together, both of us were, like, bright red. It looked like we had, like, red lights 
shining on us, which I thought was cool. Um, But yeah, and I also was confused about the setting at the top of the movie because she walks by, she's on the boardwalk and she walks by that sign that we see her walk by a bunch of times that says Coney Island. And I was like, oh, this is in New York. It's in Coney Island. And then I was like, that's weird. Everyone has an accent. Oh, this is not in Coney Island. No, it is not in Coney Island. And I even had to double check that because on my second watch, I've watched this twice now. On my second watch, I saw that. And I was like, hmm. But in like on the Wikipedia page, it says unnamed English seaside town. <laughs> so just, I don't know. Maybe they got, they got some little establishment named Coney Island. But I mean, also it is kind of confusing because this, this woman that, um, that Maude is going to take care of is also an American. It's this terminally ill woman named Amanda, and Amanda is an American, like, former dancer and choreographer, and she's confined to a wheelchair and pretty much needs uh, her caretaker to do most tasks for her, and that's what uh, Maude is there to do. Also, Amanda's an atheist. Um, uh, Jennifer Ely is playing Amanda, and I, oh gosh, I have to say this is my favorite performance of the movie. I really liked the woman who plays Maude, but, like, I love... I love a side character who just steals the show, and she has so much depth to her character that it's just, I would have watched a whole movie about Amanda. See, yeah, so, but I want to point out, I do like when Maude walks into that house, because also I like that it's poised as, like, this, like, spooky house, so she has to walk up, that staircase looks gigantic, Um, and she's like, I guess the other nurse is done taking care of her. I kind of thought it was like, oh, she'll be the day nurse, and that nurse is the night nurse, or vice versa, but it's just that nurse is done. Um, and she asked that nurse what she like, and she says, bit of a cunt, really. And I thought that was like a really good line. And I like that she like kind of isn't. Like she's a little shitty, but not like I don't know, right? I because when she says that, when when the um leaving nurse says that she's a bit of a cunt, I, I pictured this older woman who is like an old English lady who's just gonna yeah. be like giving Maud shit at every turn and she doesn't she's like actually really personable and like has this like vivacious personality even through her her illness and i don't know i don't think bit of a cunt was really you know the perfect descriptor descriptor for that but i wonder why the other nurse was leaving though because i mean what we're meant to assume is that Maud's gonna be here until like this woman dies because this woman's dying um so i wonder why the other one was leaving but uh, whatever um well and I, like i wonder if the thing I, I I think I assumed, which was incorrect, was that like the nurse, whatever the like company is the, that like outsources these nurses was like religious, but that's not the case. I mean, or at least from what we saw, it really was. It was just like she is religious, not. And I think the previous, uh, the previous company that she worked for was religious. I think because they called it like Saint something of of something, you know. And this one's not called that. I think this is just like private care or something like that. Um, they say it a few times in the movie. And then uh, I, I, you know, speaking of this mansion though, like this big mansion, this like, and it's got this like looming. It's it's almost a character in and of itself in the movie because we see it throughout and we see her looking up at it on top of this yeah. big hill. I almost thought this was like it. I knew this was a psychological horror movie, but I almost thought that maybe they were going to take like some sort of possession route here, like where somebody gets possessed in this big mansion or something like that. I don't know. Um, I thought we were kind of headed there, but uh, I did think, I, well, I kind of thought that Maude was kind of going to be like the final girl and the old lady she was taking care of was going to be like, as I mean, granted, that's kind of sort of where the movie goes, but not really. We know that's not like real. Um, but I thought it was going to be like, especially when the other nurse is like, oh, she's a cunt. I thought it was going to be 
this is our villain. She is like demonic in some way, and Maud has to like fight her. Yeah. Yeah, and so Maud is here to just take care of Amanda in her, in her final days. Maud bathes her, she cooks for her, she helps her like do her stretches in the morning. And there's a moment while they're stretching, there's a lot of sexual tension in there. There's a lot of lesbian tension. Um, I thought, I don't know, I, I expected that to kind of go somewhere. Amanda is, um, if she's not a lesbian, she's very sexually fluid, I guess. But, I, I mean, she's definitely, there's this moment between them where it's that... Uh, I feel like it's in all of those like cheesy like rom coms or something like that where two people are doing yoga together and they're stretching each other and they're like I don't know what I don't even know what the pose would be like they're stretching their like knee up to their chest and the other person's it's very very sexual position um, and Amanda notices uh, Maud's necklace and it's it's a it's a little pendant of the uh, Virgin it's Virgin Mary was Mary that Magdalene it? Mary Magdalene that's right. Um, and she she looks at it. And she said, "I didn't know they made figures of, or they made pendants of Mary Magdalene." Mott's um, a little cheeky here. She's like, "I got it online." She gives this like like little smile and it's a little bit of personality, and I liked that. Well, yeah, because she what she does is it's like hanging out, and Amanda goes, "Oh, hello," and just kind of like flicks it. Yeah. And I thought that was like immediately very charming. Like, they were very good together, and they did have like they had chemistry together. You know, um, maybe not as like romantic partners, but like even even I guess. You know, kudos to the actresses for this because I mean they did have. I liked their little friendship. <laughs> so, I did like their friendship, but um, I kind of think Amanda was really carrying all the weight there. I don't think. Now I don't know if it's that they weren't given. She wasn't given a lot to do, but I did not find the actress who played Maud that charming or good. Yeah, I don't find her charming. I found her as this. You would have these. This, this would be the dynamic here, is right? Is you have the the lively one, and then you have the one who's kind of like the 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 shrinking violet over in the corner, and the lively one is going to bring her out of her shell, and that's kind of the dynamic they sort of have here. But then you get these little moments from Maud where she'll like she'll smile, and she's like you know not always so serious. Um, but then she also doesn't pick up on these little like these little moments of like sarcasm coming from Amanda or, you know, right. um, and you just feel bad for her. It's a very, like all of her moments are very cringy to watch because she is this, this, I don't know, I guess she would, it would be the weird kid. Is that mean to say? No, I mean, I, she, I felt like she would be the, uh, person that I end up being friends with in high school or like mm. something like that. Like I would feel bad for this person and be like, Oh, come be our friend. And then they'd be a religious nut that murders me. But <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there's, so then like, I, I, that was the first scene. Like prior to this, I was like, Oh, is this movie going to be like totally flat? Because sometimes for like building a vibe, they'll make it a little flat. But I appreciated that. It was like, Oh no, we're going to like Amanda. She's not just like a dickhead. Um, and I really like that. Then she she sends Maud out because she has her friend over who I thought, mm. which is funny because I thought I was like, oh, that's her gay friend. And they're that's like this like cute gay guy, straight girl, like pairing. But then she mentions that he's tried to fuck her all the time. And she's actually the queer one. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I liked, I, I kind of, I would have liked a little bit more Amanda. I felt like she... I agree with you that she had such a good performance, but I felt like we were so stuck on Maud's point of view that we didn't get 
enough. Like I wanted more of Amanda and that's a credit to like the movie and her acting. Um, but I felt like she was so dynamic. We could have used a little bit more of her. See, I don't think we could have used any more. I wanted more. Um, that was a definite want for me. I, I, I thought it was, you know, I, like I said, I could have watched a whole movie about her, but I think the the fact that we have like an hour and a half runtime and it is all Maud's perspective. And I think going outside of that and maybe showing from somebody else's perspective would have changed the, the entire point of the movie here. Um, and I think we even talked about this, that it, it, the movie almost sometimes felt like it didn't know what point it was trying to make. Yeah. But I did see where they were trying to make some sort of point and, and, and through showing a movie through the lens of entirely from Maud, it, it was where they were going. And I, I think to go outside of that would have messed that vision up. Um, but I guess, so, so, so like you said, Amanda sends Maud out. Um, she has this, I definitely thought this was a gay guy too. I thought it was, I thought they were going to have like a nice, like gay and fag hag Tom. Um, <laughs> right. And really it just seems like Amanda keeps bringing these people around because she's kind of reckoning. Cause it seems like this guy is, is from her past. Cause he even remarks that she used to be able to handle her liquor better. Um, yeah. And it seems like Amanda's just kind of this woman who's no she's dying she's in despair and like she's just kind of trying to reckon pieces of her past and that's why she's like bringing this guy in but Maud goes out to I don't know she says she tells the guy she's going to meet some friends and we we have this whole like inner narration from Maud saying that she would have been just fine staying in her room that uh she thinks that Amanda was probably just embarrassed to have her there um and we get this moment where Maud really just goes out and she goes and has a coffee by herself and she just walks around by herself and she it, it, it paints her as just this really lonely lonely girl um she has she doesn't have any friends she doesn't have any other social interactions she's always talking to god in her head and it seems like god is the only social interaction that she's even allowing herself to have any meaningful relationship that she'll allow herself to have and it's just it, it's really heartbreaking to see yeah and we see we kind of see that the town is a dump right like it's a very like horror movie thing it's like some dude is like putting in his eye at the restaurant at the table next to them. Like there's just like, and they make it look like a gross dump town. Right. Well, we're having internet difficulties. Okay. Are we there? Are you here? I can, can hear, you hear you, but your video is completely frozen. Okay. Um, Shit. Okay. Well, we're going to have to keep Wait, going. Wait, you're slowly coming back, I think? <laughs> we'll just... See? You know, technology, we, we try to do something nice. We try to have a nice little video component. Shit like this happens. Or is it because we're talking about God? Is this what's happening? <laughs> we're being punished? <laughs> Maud even says, and like, she even thinks to herself while she's at, at the dinner table that, you know, she can't believe a woman like Amanda would even be in that town, you know? Um... So it is, it is just one of those towns that, you know, people probably are born in and never leave, you know. Um, but she gets a call from Amanda's friend to come back home, and she uh, she goes back. Amanda has gotten very drunk, and it seems like she did not have a very good time with her friend. Um, her friend leaves. Just, I don't know, this kind of sour mood. Um, Maud starts to put Amanda to bed, and they have this moment where Amanda starts to... Uh, just really express the fear that she has, that she knows she's dying, but she doesn't know what's beyond death. 
and like she's worried it's just going to be nothing that her life was just meaningless and like all of this was just nothing and i think a lot of us have that sort of um inner fear i don't know i, I mean how much do you think about life after death i know you don't really believe in any anything after death but like does it ever i don't know does it ever hit you no no, <laughs> that's just it, I guess. I don't the only know, time it then, hits me is if like other people die, yeah. um, and I'm like, hmm. like I don't well, think like, like I love a like, sure, like an image, like when people die and people say to me, "Well, now they're meeting blah 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 in the afterlife." I'm like, please fuck off. I do not want to hear that. That does not make me feel better because I don't believe in any of this. Like they're asleep, their eyes are closed, they're in the ground. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, maybe when I'm like in a few years when I'm 80 and dying, maybe I'll think about that, but I don't know. Well, then how do you sort of go? I don't know. Like, how do you sort uh, that? <laughs> See, I've never understood people who don't believe in anything after. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to believe in God or like anything specific, but I've just never understood like not believing in anything because then what is, what is living? You know, are we just here to just live and die and then that's that's all and that just that just i don't know that's <laughs> that's a really sad thing to think about i, I don't know i definitely I don't know. Think not everyone i don't after. i don't I, for me yeah. it's like it's like living forever right it's like ooh, this and then you pass on to another thing where you live another life and you're alive forever and like i don't know man <laughs> deep deep conversations um and so while she's while they're having this kind of this kind of talk mod this is like the perfect time for mod to come in there and she's like you know there is a god um there is an afterlife and god has you you know um if you want him he's there well she starts off being sweet but then she says like but then she's like whispering it in her ear and also says he won't let her go and i because in my notes i put she said he won't let her go which like i don't know what the fuck that means and that would creep me out if I were this older lady. I'd be like, all right, can we get a different nurse here? Um, <laughs> because, like, that's not, I mean, but we know this later on in the movie. Maud isn't your typical religious person because that's not, like, something, I feel like that's not something you say to someone who's dying. Like, he's not going to let you go. Like, he's got you, which, right? Yeah. I think um, for the particular scene of the, uh, presenting this sort of closeness that is that is there between them, I think maybe the whispering in the ear was kind of adding to that. I would never do that. I would never go into anybody's ear and start whispering anything. Um, I think that's a little bit too much. But Maude is also like, I, I don't think she just, she just doesn't pick up on cues like that. She doesn't do that. But, I mean, like, Amanda welcomes it too. I think this is a moment where Amanda really just... And we learn later that, I mean, she doesn't believe any of this shit anyway. She's never going to believe any of this shit. But, like, it's a moment where she just, you know, craves that sort of connection. And and she has it. And she calls Maud her, her little savior. And, uh, you know, Maud thinks that she's really comforted this woman. And then Maud leaves Amanda to go, you know, to go to sleep. And Maud, as Maud is going upstairs to her room, she has... A, so, the, the director calls this a godgasm. Every time that Maud... Because Amanda asks... Does do you when you talk to God, do you hear him? And she says, Yes, and I feel him. And it's like this pulse, this pulsing, this vibrating. And then we see as she's going up the stairs, she has one of these, like, and it looks like she's having an orgasm. And so the director Rose Glass calls it a Godgasm. And every time uh, Maud feels the presence of God there with her, she has one of these Godgasms. And it's it's intense. Yeah. 
You have nothing. Nothing to add on that. I... I, I I think that is so stupid. Like, the context of the director <laughs> makes me think it's more stupid than I thought it was. Yeah, um, I Because I... I don't know. I... Uh, I was wondering... I was like, where is this going? Um, and that's when I kind of was like, oh, is the turn going to be that Maud is the evil... I mean, I mean, that is the turn, right? But I was like, oh, is... like. I kind of thought we were going towards like Maud is slightly possessed is what I thought it was going to be. Um, but I mean, I don't think that's, I think it's just that she's unhinged. Um, and I kind of, this is when I was like, oh, okay. Like maybe she's is already possessed and it's there. And that's the thing that we saw at the top. I mean, I, I think I thought the same thing you did, where I thought that's where we were leading. Um, but I was like, oh, is that what we saw in the beginning of the movie? Like she was possessed. That's why she saw the cockroach and there was blood everywhere. Um, and that's kind of where I thought this scene like I thought that's what the scene was like a hinting at like ooh look there's a demon there somewhere and that's it like kind of coming out yeah I don't know um I think I think this more relates to I think it's an exaggerated version of when people go to church a lot of people feel like feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and they'll put their hands up and they'll close their eyes and like this you know and, and there's some churches that you know people even get a little bit more animated and a little bit more lively over this sort of thing and I think this was more of an exaggerated version of that um, but Maud is now convinced that God has given her a very specific job a very important purpose in life and that is to save Amanda's soul <laughs> right like Amanda may, Amanda real shit the bed really shit the bed by calling her savior <laughs> yeah I think Amanda has to like she gets some some joy out of this um out of like kind of leading Maud along because we do find out later that it was just she was just leading her along because not only does she like a little bit later as they're um about to eat a meal she'll pray with her she feels this presence of god with her she also gives her a book by william blake of like a bunch of this really spiritual um artwork and and it's inscribed you know to Maud my my savior from Amanda. And, you know, while we can sort of take it as some sort of sarcasm or some sort of mockery, um, and, and likely believe that that is what it is. Maude is not there in her head and she's not going to take it that way. And so she sees this as like Amanda accepting God into her life. Well, I, okay. I do. Yes. I think that's how Maude sees it, but I don't think it's Amanda mocking her. I think it's the same way if I had like a religious friend who was maybe being really nice to me when I'm ready to die, it's like, okay, like while I hate religion, I respect that people, you know, love God and stuff. So like, sure. Like I might like have a cute nickname that relates to their religion because I know that the person would like it. You know, it doesn't mean I'm yeah. mocking them. Like for me, it's like, okay, cool. This is what they like. You know, this is a nice relationship. Um, I don't see a lot of people, but this is the person I see 24 seven. Um, and I think she's just trying to be like, Oh, look, we can like, sure. I'll go along with your religious stuff because like we're friends, we're cool. You know, I think she uses the word savior exactly to be like, I think she's happy to have Maud there. So I think she uses that word because she knows Maud will like it. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> a, a prime example of, earlier when I text Zach to be like, well, I'm showering and you better tell me I look nice before we record. And Zach said, you look very nice when I came on, you know, it's just, <laughs> you're like, Ian's my friend. I'll yeah. tell him something nice. Cause he wanted to hear it. 
Um, and that's kind and of what like I, that. yeah, that's that is kind of what I thought at first, but then like um, on the rewatches when I started to think it was more of like, and I don't think she was being mean at all. I don't think she was being mean at all, but I do think she was being very tongue in cheek about all this stuff and very like I don't know, just very cheeky about everything. Even when she says when she writes "My Savior," it has these little angel wings around them, almost like you know, sarcastic quotation marks, you know. Um, so I don't think she's being mean here, but I do think she. I think she knows what she's doing. She's she's too smart for that. But there is a line in this book, in this in this um, William Blake book, that I think is just such a great line too. And it's talking about uh, Blake's aversion to organized religion, um, and that really resonated with me. It said, uh, "Let me see, um, religion is an ugly distortion of a true spiritual life." And I think that is so perfect. Even if you are not believing in anything within the Christian faith, or like you know. Uh, Judaism or Islam, anything like that. Um, anybody can be spiritual in, in a bunch of different ways. You can be spiritual, but I think like organized religion is such an ugly thing, and it su- has has done such harm just throughout the world for ages and ages and ages, and it it still is. Um, I think the only The only threat to a true spiritual life for anybody is organized religion. So I thought that was a really, really good line. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I can groove with that. Sure. Okay. You have like nothing to say here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this movie is just we're done with the movie, everybody. So Maud first meets Carol when she when Carol comes over late one night to visit Amanda, and Carol is Amanda's very special regular guest. Uh, and it's heavily implied that Carol is a call girl or an escort because she's being paid uh, to be in the company of Amanda. She's being paid by Amanda. Did you say it's heavily implied? It's, it's explicit. We don't it see is. them That's fucking. We don't see them fucking, so I'm not going to call her a prostitute. Um, <laughs> um, but I think, Mod- she, I think Carol yeah. likes Amanda. I do think Carol, I think it's like one of those things where it's like she was an escort, but like also she cares about Amanda. Well, she even says it at one point. She says, "I do care about Amanda," and I think yeah. I think Carol does care about Amanda to the extent that she can. Carol, I really like how they how they portray Carol here too. Is um, she's not just this woman there to you know get the money and laugh and like wear all right. these jewels and run through the house. Like there's there's some nuance there. She's she's very sweet to Amanda. She's uh, she's there when Amanda needs her. Um, I mean, obviously she pays she pays her, but like. But. Uh, Maud is very jealous of this relationship that Amanda and Carol has. Um, Maud is like peering through cracked doors. I was doors. very worried Amanda was going to get killed or uh, Carol was going to get killed. I was worried that Carol was going to get killed and that Joy was going to get killed. There's two people I was I was thinking something was going to happen with. Um, I thought Maud was going to murder both of them. Um, while in town one evening, uh, Maud is recognized by a former friend that I just mentioned, Joy, and Joy calls Maud Katie. So Maud's real name is Katie and has some, for some reason, renamed herself to Maud. Um, uh, and 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 Joy mentions uh, something that happened in Maud's past job, and I guess that is where we flashed in the beginning of the movie is that um, she's and it's very vague what she says she's like do they you know you have a new job they're still letting you nurse um, uh, do they know what happened and, and Maude's like yes they know what happened and so and we she, know something does say, is there she does say later like you know it wasn't your fault what happened yeah. which led me to believe that it was Maude's fault <laughs> and I don't think so so um, apparently this story um, Maude's little traumatic flashback is based on something real that 
if, if I'm wrong, somebody correct me, but that Rose Glass knew a nurse who had um, some PTSD from a similar situation about like somebody's like cracking somebody's chest or something like that on accident. And then the patient died. Um, anyway, but a little bit later, Maude asks Carol to stop coming around. She says that Carol is a distraction for Amanda's spiritual journey and that in Amanda's final days, but Amanda needs to be focused on you know a specific thing. And Carol is just a distraction for that. Um, so I want to, yeah. I have something to say about this, um, in my notes at like the way earlier on, I say, is Amanda gay? Is Maude going to be some crazy anti-gay person? The movie goes to great lengths to not say she's anti-gay, which I found a little tiresome that like bothered me. I was like, we need to shit her get off the pot because we're circling the drain of like, Ooh, she's crazy religious. She's like kind of a bigot you know amanda says it but maude is never like disrespectful of the of like the fact that amanda's a lesbian i mean even though she murders her you know she's not like in her head she's not saying like this is a sin like she like you said when she talks to uh, carol she's like you're distracting her not like oh you're going down on her and that's sinful because you know two women shouldn't lie together and i kind of felt like Maude would have felt that way. Maude would have said, this is sinful. And then maybe when she's like out at the bar, she like hooks up with a girl. And then like, we see that there's like, that's kind of like, I think a thing I was missing here is that it was very sapphic. It was very like, Amanda's gay, Maude is jealous. Maude is sending her lover away. But Maude isn't saying one way or the other that there's anything wrong with being gay. Um, I don't know. I felt like that was a thing that like kind of bothered me. It's, it's like, we know that she hates it, but we also recognize that she's jealous. So I needed them to like, it felt like in her head, granted, I would totally clock Maude as the like polite religious person who wouldn't say it out loud. But like in her head, when she's doing those voiceovers, I would have, I think we needed like, I don't know. I, I felt like we needed something where she confirms why she doesn't like Carol and she's a distraction. Um, I don't know. What did you think about that? I, 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 I do agree with you there. I think, um, there should have been a little bit more, uh, it should have been a little bit more in your face instead of, instead of just like kind of brushing around it, uh, skirting around it a little bit, because I, I think, you know, Maude just exudes repression, you know, she's got sexual repression. She's got, um, likely like she's likely re repressing any, any sort of queer identity that she does have. And, I do feel like in her head, at least in her inner monologue, she would have said something about like, you know, um, they're, they're scissoring and all that is right. wrong. They shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> like something, because she even like, we, it is important to remember that also, and I don't think we've mentioned it, is that Maud is a recent, um, she has recently converted to this religion. She has recently like, you know, let God into her life. And so... She still kind of snaps sometimes, like when she's telling Carol to stop coming around, and Carol's really, you know, just saying it's none of your fucking business. Um, Maude even like lashes out a little bit, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't give a fuck if you're like, you know, choking on a cock or something like that." Like she, she has these moments where she just like snaps, and uh, and I feel like if she can do that, she can also in her head probably be a little bit more graphic and 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 you know, I feel like she would be pretty violent in her head, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, it's all, it's all an act, right? All of it is like 
her putting it on. So I guess maybe she wouldn't in her head, but if she's willing to say it out loud, then I feel like she would be saying it in her head. Like maybe she'd say, maybe she wouldn't like curse, but she would say in like the polite terms why it's wrong, the like, you know, homosexual sex that they're having. And so Carol agrees to stop seeing Amanda, but like, this is, this is not real. Um, right. Amanda, she, it even seems like she calls Amanda to like break things off. And Amanda's like, you know, in a sour mood for a little bit, but uh, Carol eventually shows back up because Amanda's having a big birthday party. I fucking love this party, by the way. I would have liked to have seen just an hour of them just, you know, sitting around and soaking up each other's awesomeness and like, you know, just being those, those artsy types. Cause that's what they all are. It's just, oh, there's a bunch of fags in the room. Probably. <laughs> I have a Zachary rewrite here. Okay. After seeing the movie, I thought about this. I think the movie, the party should have been the um, climax of the movie. I would have loved if she got sick at the party, Maude brings her upstairs, and that's and like everyone at the party like kind of sees it happen. And that's like, I felt like I wanted the climax to happen completely in the house. Um, and I would have liked it if she lit herself on fire in front of the party guests instead of just like people on the beach. Like I thought that would have... And like, maybe the house burns down or maybe they like, you know, pat her down and she's dead, but like they get her whatever. But I would have liked, the imagery is cool on the beach, it is. But I would have liked, since we were so much in that house, I would have liked if there was some kind of party happening and like Maude had to bring her upstairs because she's, you know, the way we saw before that like she can't hold her liquor anymore and she vomits easily because she's, you know, at the end of her life. I mean, granted, in my version, Amanda would have killed Maude, but if we had to have the ending the way it was, I would have just still preferred it placed in the house. Because I think that would have, if like the guests see that Maude is dead, or the guests see that Amanda is dead, and then Maude lights herself on fire in front of them, uh, I think that would have been kind of cool. I do like that. Um, but then we have a bunch of stuff after the party right. that now I'm thinking in my head, and I don't have time to think about this, so I need to like put it off to the side. <laughs> um, that like, how would that stuff play out before the climax it's hmm. a good because well, we could have had everything that. else we yeah. could have had let's say the firing happened because carol comes back Maud slaps her amanda in front of carol amanda fires her we get all of that but then amanda's like hey do you want to come to my birthday party Maud? because i appreciated you know the time we spent together and then amanda goes back to her or i'm getting all the names mixed up god and then Maude goes back to Amanda's house at the end, and that's where all of that happens, because it's her party. And maybe Amanda sees the, the reason Amanda invites her back is because uh, clearly Amanda has thought about Maude, even after yeah. they've ended their time together. Um, maybe Amanda sees Maude out somewhere in town, and see, because she, we also understand that like Amanda feels bad that Maude is such a lovely girl. Right. Um, and sees something, mm, okay, we don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me on. Don't get me on this. This is my bullshit. <laughs> um, at this party, though, like Amanda, this oh, it was so cringy, Ian, and I felt awful for Maude. I just did. I just felt really fucking bad. Um, uh, until I mean, until the slap. But um, so Amanda is telling everybody, you know, Maude doesn't like Carol. Um, she tried to drive Carol away. Uh, Carol, uh, or Maude is my savior, you see. And, like, clearly speaking to Maude, knowing Maude is standing right there, and everybody's listening to this, and she's just, like, kind of... It, it felt like a little bit of ridicule there. But, like, also, Maude is doing shitty things, and, like, stay out of Amanda's life. You know, you're a paid employee. Um, Zachary, I don't think you would feel bad for me if I was like, Alistair, you can't talk to Zach anymore. And then, like... 
like I, I, that's how I viewed it. I was like, well, I don't feel bad for her. She deserves this, but I understand. But like, cause I kept thinking like, oh, like if someone was like, an like technically Maud's an employee, like, yeah. And granted, I'm sure that line gets blurred often, especially with shit like that. But Maud is her fucking employee. She shouldn't be sending away her girlfriend. And if someone sent away, like tried to send away the person I was like seeing, I I might also belittle them in front of a crowd if I'm drunk. But then what is the point of keeping Maud around for that long, um, knowing that this has happened? Why not fire her earlier? Why not save her a little bit of the ridicule? What is the point of the ridicule? I think I think that is where I sit on like just any I never understand ridiculing somebody. I don't I think one of the lowest things you can do is embarrass somebody. Um, it doesn't matter what they've done. I think that is one of the lowest things you can do. And I'm just, I'll die on that hill. It's okay. We can disagree. Um, um I mean, yeah, just like wrong, fire but, her um, earlier, I think that, I think Amanda did enjoy Maude's company, but I think Amanda knows that Maude is like very unhinged. Um, because we also grazed over prior to this, we had the scene of Amanda and her holding hands and like kind of orgasming together. Because my notes for that say, maybe I am religious if this is what happens when you're religious. <laughs> and I think that Amanda kind of just enjoyed her bullshit. Like Amanda, in as, as someone stuck in the suburbs with no queer uh, companion or attention, I could understand like, well, this person kind of hates gay people, but they seem closeted and they are nice to me. So sure. Um, and I think Amanda just liked the company and the attention, which... At the end of her life, when she's dying, she's allowed to like attention, you know? I do think that she would have. Had the the, the, the slap not happened, I think Maude probably would still be in that job position yeah. as well. Um, but Maude, Maude does hit. Um, I have it in my note that Maude hits Carol, but that is wrong. Maude hits Amanda <laughs> at some point during this exchange. Um, and and But, like, see, also, right before that is, like, Amanda has like all of her friends go and like dress Maude up in like this, this, like, you know, um, saints costume and puts like a headdress over her. And like, that's just fucked. It's just fucked. Um, yeah. just let her go, make her leave. But like, so Maude does hit Amanda and then like, don't feel bad for her at that point. She hits Amanda and Amanda fired. I mean, obviously she gets fired. Um, but she's not charged with assault, which is, you know, which again, I think more it's about because Amanda. Amanda liked her. Agreed. Um, but Maud now begins to spiral. You know, she thinks that God's kind of rejected her. She's having these like awful stomach pains and these like bodily pains. And um, it's a clear sign of like some sort of like medical illness, not not even just mental, but like, you know, something's wrong with her body here. And she's having like seizures later on. Um, but she believes this is this is God's punishment onto her or that God has now rejected her. Right. Um, I took it as like. <laughs> I took it as like she's so like mentally there's like something wrong and that can cause you to like feel sick or like feel and i that's what i took it as it was all because of the stress of her like mental illness of whatever was going on probably her trauma from that person who died accidentally um that like that makes her feel ill she doesn't even have anybody in her life to like help her she needs fucking help she gets dressed up well she she believes god's rejected her so she this part i was a little bit confused on because i get like believing you were maybe rejected but then maybe trying harder to gain god's approval but instead she like gets dressed up in this outfit that's supposed to be like slutty i guess but it barely any skin showing right. by the way um and she goes out to a bar and she's like alone and 
you know, she calls Joy from earlier, but Joy doesn't come out, you know, to meet her. And she's like drinking and gives a random guy a hand job. And, and she tries, to, oh God, this was so fucking awkward. Her trying to join that conversation right next to her. Oh, oh, could have thrown up from secondhand embarrassment there. <laughs> well, so this is where the movie, when I was like, what are we doing here? That's like absolutely where I like felt the movie started to drag. Like it didn't really drag, but that's where it started to be like, mm, this might drag because I don't know what we're doing. Um, Yeah, I don't. And like, I don't think that actress was that good in those scenes. Um, Zachary, you have a counterpoint. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, I guess. Some people are going to hell. <laughs> I think I so here's my issue with it kind of is it, like it felt like this was the, the the point in the like every movie that you know the character the main character has like a a spiral moment or a spiral like a couple of scenes where we see them spiraling you know um but she was already spiraling the whole movie so it's like right. yeah that I think like this need this like I don't I, I don't think there should have that's why another reason why I felt like the party should have happened at the end of the movie because I don't think the space, putting like that space between her and Amanda worked too well for the movie. You got to quit saying it because now I'm in my head like, oh, the party has to be at the end. Somebody needs to re-edit this. Ooh, where's wait, the, where's Zachary, the rose glass mean, cut? Does that mean you think I would, I'm right? Ah. He loves it when I say it and I'll do it right now, everybody. Ian Carlos Crawford, it's my favorite you right. thing you say. You are right. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna like have confetti, have confetti fall for like at that and after effects. Yeah, I just have so much like secondhand embarrassment during this scene where she's out at this bar though, um, because she's like, you know, we get hints that she had this former life where she probably right. went out like a normal person and like would drink and stuff. But then I think, well, how how much of a normal life was it like? Was she still alone? Because I could have seen her still being sort of a loner, trying to connect to something, and maybe that's why she kind of found. Re- I mean, I mean, we know why she finds religion, but also why like she would jump on religion so easily because like maybe she was already alone. Right. Well, I mean, I, that's the impression I get because I mean, from Joy encountering her, it seems like she was always kind of alone, and the guy that she goes home with that she has sex with and she sees herself accidentally pressed through his chest. Like that's what, that's her trauma coming back. Um, I get the impression that she, and I mean, no judgment, but like when I would go out to the bars with my friends, there was always like people that were regulars at those bars that would be there by themselves. Right. Like that's like a thing. Um, And that maybe they would like come sit with me and my friends and whatever. So I get the impression that she was at least more social, but probably still very awkward. Um, because that guy even says, oh, you hooked up with my friend, blah, 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 yeah. you know, you want to see a movie for secondhand embarrassment. Have you ever seen eighth grade? It's another a 24 movie. Oh, oh, that'll make you die. Ian, you'll just die. It's like about this, like 12 year old girl who just, it's the most awkward 12 year old girl, you know? Um, but it's kind of like this. Cause she like would be the type of person to like sit at a table next to a group of people and like try to insert herself in there but she does she ends up going home with this guy back on track by the way um she ends up not not eighth grade the eighth grader does not go home with a guy uh maude ends up going home with this guy uh and and they're having sex and then she has this flashback of and like she's riding him and so she has she has her hands on his chest and she has this flashback of of the beginning where she's and and she kind of like breaks 
she like hallucinates that she like breaks his chest and she jumps off of him and she's kind of like startled herself and she's like done now she's not wanting to have sex so I am not a fan of rape scenes and I know you're not either um I appreciated the way they did this one because usually in movies right it's like the rape scene is always pretty violent it's it's they're, they're showing this corn you know knife to the throat or something like that and here this happens a lot with people and for some reason, it's still not, like, there's still some people out there who will not consider this rape. That she decides she's done. He he still tries to go for it. She says no. And that should be it. That should be all. But, like, he still goes for it. And just because she's not fighting back and stuff, it's still rape. This is still, she gets raped. Um, and I, I really appreciated how they did that. Because, that's, yes. I mean, it's a super realistic way to, way to go about it. And I don't see that in film all that much. That's where, because I always say the rape scenes are almost always added by men, and I never like them, and it's a sign of a dude writing women in horror. I think this was a rape scene clearly written by a woman, because it was like, you know, it showed, because the beat before that, he's being a little nice to her, right? So you think like, oh, this guy like isn't shitty, because when she sees herself push her hand, he's like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, like, yeah. you Okay. And then she like lays down and you think he's going to comfort her. Like, that's what I, that's what I thought. I was like, Oh, he's going to like lay with her or whatever. And like try to cuddle her. But no, he like goes back to wanting to have sex. And she says, no. And for me, the fact that it was like very muted and very, it was like, okay, a woman wrote this because they're like handling it with care and not making it like bombastic. And like, there's no screaming. There's no, it's just like, she says no a couple of times and he's still going for it. And she's just trying to lays there. And like, he, finishes and whatever and for me that felt like okay this is realistic and it didn't like i don't love a rape scene i still wish we didn't get it but it felt at least like written more realistic you know yeah it it and it did feel more realistic because this is a guy that who probably wouldn't have like if she started screaming or something he probably wouldn't have done that like done that but like and he, just because he wasn't like, I mean, I, th- I still think he was aggressive, but like, he wasn't like holding her right, down right, and like, right. and like stuff like that. He still went for it. Even after she said no, he's like, okay, just stop. Wait, wait. And he kept going for it. Um, and even though it's a little, like you said, a little bit more muted, a little bit more calm, he is still a rapist. Yeah. People, that still makes you a rapist. She said no, she was done. And just because she laid there and let it happen, she got raped. He was a rapist. Um. Right, and he's yeah. the type of guy that would say, like, oh, I don't like rapists, probably. And he would say that he didn't rape her, and all of his friends would say that he didn't rape her. Um, and that would be the story in court, and he would get off for it, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> afterwards, he mentions knowing her, like, while she's getting dressed and about to leave. Like, he mentions that he knew her, and that she, like, probably slept with, uh, or that she slept with one of his buddies, and that, um, and it kind of alludes to her, you know, her past, and that she maybe she, like, slept around a little bit, and maybe she, you know, went out to drink, and maybe she did normal things, you know? Um, this kind of just freaks her out, and she leaves, and then at home, she's just, like, having this spiraling mess. She's throwing up everywhere. There's fireworks going on outside. She's having seizures and just appears to levitate, and it's it's just like, mm. don't know that we needed it. Yeah. Yes. I, in my notes, in all caps, it says, where the fuck is this going? Um, And I just kind of felt like, yeah, yeah, I I agree, yes. Because like we said, the movie itself is a spiral. We don't, like like with the rape like, scene. Like, this has been did, her, girl. Like, this you've yeah. been doing this. 
like with the rape scene, like we said that the muted worked for it, but like, you know, then they kind of do another trope where, you know, the spiral scene is a little bit more bombastic and loud and all that, like you said. So, um, I mean, they still kind of fell into a couple tropes here, but... Um, but I guess the point could be made that it's, like, because she was raped, that's why it was, like, this spiral was, like, grander than most. Maybe, maybe. And, like, this kind of that. this kind of does, like, set her on the path towards the end. Yes. Um, and she believes that she's just damned and that she, like, this was her going against God, and she's, like, pleading, like, that she wouldn't do that again, and, and she goes to punish herself. So, like, this is what you brought this up in the beginning. She's, like, mutilating herself, and we've seen signs of that already. She's got cuts on her body and stuff like that. And so um, there's a moment in the trailer, and this is the moment from the trailers, that she puts, like, nails in her shoes, um, and she, like, walks, like, puts her feet in the shoes, and she just walks, like, through town and is just punishing herself for, for her sins. Um, and it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, yeah, this uh, this is when I kept like I don't know if you noticed I kept like moving my remote to see like how much time is left in this movie. I'd say I never did that. I thought it, I went pretty fast, but um, I, I also like didn't know if we needed. I don't know if we needed like it felt like a movie that was kind of going for subtlety anyway. If we would have just stayed on that path, I think I would have liked it a little bit more than them being like, "Well, it's a little too slow. Let's throw some some extra stuff in there," you know. Um, but yeah, no, I. Mean, I, I you are right, Zachary, because I Thank agree with you. you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, um, yeah, I, I, that's, again, why I felt like the... It would have... Even all of this happening could have been... I might have been more okay with it if she was still with Amanda. Like, if this happened, you know, Amanda's asleep downstairs and she's having this spiral upstairs. Like, maybe I would have been more okay with it getting more dramatic and whatever if it was like she's still but the fact that she was separated from amanda i was like what are we doing um you know i guess this maybe this just is is painting her fall from grace or her perceived fall from from god's graces in this because god gave her this assignment she failed at this assignment and now she's spiraling maybe that's in her mind god basically tells her she's always known what to do and so she's like yes i know what to do and she has this bit of vanity, you know? She's like, get, grabs her bed sheets and like puts it around her and dresses herself up as the saint with the rosary. She's posing in the mirror and like, um, believing in her higher calling as like this, this, this God sent woman. Um, God would never send a woman. <laughs> Just kidding, my fellow Christians. Um, <laughs> Joy comes over one day and by this point like Maude is completely checked out and so Joy comes over and she apologizes for not being there for Maude and and and, and on my second watch because on the first one I guess I had the, the subtitles on so I saw or heard everything that she said but I guess she says it and her audio is almost muted it's like so low that you could barely hear any of it because we're Maude's so in Maude's attention. head she's not listening well she says like like, it wasn't your fault. I'm really sorry, you know. I'm really sorry we never connected, and I'm sorry I didn't come out the other night. Um, and, like, I hope you're doing better and all this stuff. And Maud's just, like, not. And she, I feel like Joy is is trying to be nice, but she's, like, mm, she's not really listening to me. And this apartment looks like where someone gets murdered. In my notes, I even say Joy is there and talking, but she's probably going to get murdered. <laughs> Everybody's going to get fucking murdered in this movie. Um... But, and like Joy's just another, I, I feel like this movie is full of good people 
you know, I, I feel like Joey's also just a good a good person. Joey could have completely forgotten about Maud and just never shown up for anything, but she does. She goes out of her way to do this. And Joey is a smoker. I think there's some sort of like symbolism with the smoking that we're supposed to get because everybody fucking smokes in this movie. And we see like just about everybody light up a cigarette. And then when people aren't even lighting up cigarettes and stuff, you hear the sound of cigarettes being lit up constantly throughout this movie. So I wish I fucking knew, like, I, I should have done a little bit of research, I don't know. Um, but there's something there. Um, but Maud sees this, like, cloud formation in the sky and believes it's God. She, like, blesses Joy, and Joy is off on her way. And we don't see Joy anymore in the movie. She lived, Ian! She lived! <laughs> what are you eating, Zachary? Uh, um, oh, jelly beans. <laughs> Sorry, that is not very godly. Um, that night, Maud walks across town. She, like, dresses up again, dressed as a saint, and oh, she Jesus. walks across town, uh, across Coney Island, and climbs the hill to, to Mana's mansion. And uh, she prays, like, she, like, hides off to the side. She prays, and she waits for the nurse to leave. And the nurse leaves, and Maud goes into the house and into Amanda's room and finds Amanda very sick in bed, clearly, like, yeah, you, you make sense from earlier, yeah. Amanda is close to the end. Um, and so Maud is there to, I guess, help her help her go. Um, to save her soul right before she goes. And Amanda is not even frightened to see Maud. You know, she appears to just be very remorseful for how she treated Maud. Um, it's just that final moment of, like, she's just thinking about everything she's ever done in her life, you know? Um, God, I fucking love Amanda. I love Amanda in this movie. Just love her. Just love her. Um, Maud tries to bless Amanda with holy water, but Amanda rejects it and tells Maud to, like, snap out of it, you know? She's, she admits that she never felt the presence of God, and this causes Maud to have, like, a little bit of a breakdown. Um, and then we get, we get the horror movie scene here. Here's the horror movie now. We get, and it did, like, make me jump a little, because then, like, I forget what where the turn is, but like Maud turns around and suddenly Amanda's like, and like speaking in demon voice and has like demon a little bit of demon face, nothing too wild, but just like a tinge of demon face. I think if I remember correctly, didn't her jaw like extend just like a little bit more? That's what I think. I think I think in my mind that happened. Yeah. Um, she like kind of like uses her demon power to throw Maud into the dresser. Um, Maud picks up the scissors, runs at her. Amanda's making demon noises, but not really doing much. And she stabs her to death. One assumes, well, definitely that it was all made up in Maud's head. And Amanda was now stabbed to death, like minutes before she was actually going to die. Yeah. And on my first watch, I wasn't even sure if the whole Amanda scene had actually happened or if it was just in Maud's mind. But then in, on my second watch, I saw the part where she's washing the blood off of herself. So she fucking kills Amanda. She's just like... Kills Amanda, leaves, and she's like, has this like elated feeling, like this feeling of God rushing over her that she has done her duty. Um, she has stuck strong to her faith, and God is now going to make her this saint. Um, and so she goes home, washes the blood off of her, and then the very next day, um, she puts her saint clothes back on. So I guess she has a couple of different sheets that she puts on. She loves um, her Jesus, her, her Jesus drag. Goodness, you know. It's comfortable. <laughs> and she walks onto the beach, uh, and she's carrying, like, acetone, and, and 
I love that all the people on the beach know exactly what she's going to do. There's no idiots on the beach like, oh my gosh, what is that girl doing over there? They're all like, stop her, stop her. Well, not Americans, like so. Yeah, it's like this moment, oh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> what the hell is that girl going to do over there? <laughs> um, and she like pours acetone all over herself and lights herself on fire. But in her mind, because because she stands under this, like she's hallucinating throughout the whole movie. So she, she hallucinates in the sky that there's this portal to heaven. This Which is, what is the, the thing she saw in her beer. Like. Yes, this is the portal to heaven and, like, all of this religious, like, artwork and stuff like that. Um, and she, she goes and stands under it, pours acetone over herself and lights herself on fire. And in her mind, she has, like, angel wings. Like, they're the wings that were from William Blake's, like, artwork. And, and she's, like, glowing and all the fire is, like, glorious looking. And it's just, she is just there and and all the people around her on the beach now realize that she's a saint and they they bow down to her and you know she's right all along just like she told joy earlier that she you know everybody will see soon and in her mind that happens but then we get these last like three four five frames like almost not even that whole second of of mod just burning to a charred crisp and it's just violent and then we end um don't know how i felt about that though yeah, I don't know. See, so I know that like, I like I'm glad that I'm not just the negative yeah. one. I'm glad you, cause I, but I could tell that even you were like a little bit like mm, towards the end, um, because I feel like this could have been a this very easily could have been a movie that we both really loved. Um, but yeah, I don't know it. it because it was like, this is what we were expecting to happen, her kill Amanda, it was like, oh, now she killed Amanda. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I, none of it felt that shocking. Like, the only part that was shocking was when Amanda talked in the demon voice. So I was like, oh, shit. But then it quickly realized, oh, this is in her mind. Um, that's the only part that was like, was shocking to me. The rest of it didn't feel like, I think the movie thought it was more shocking than it was. And I just... Uh... Like her lighting herself on fire, I felt like, all right. It just felt like, I don't want to say unfocused, because I think they uh, they did a good job with what they did and what was put on there. And Rose Glass did a phenomenal job with this movie. Like, I think she did a really great job. You know, give her more work. Plenty of more work. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get the point. And maybe I would just have to watch it again. Maybe I need to listen to a couple videos about it or something like that. But I didn't get the whole point here. Um, I, I understand that it's, it is likely about this commentary about like mental illness and religion i get that the relation between the two possible relation between the two i get that that whole subtext i mean that's not even subtext but like i get that that's just there um but it felt like there was a maybe a point that i don't know could have been there that wasn't i don't fucking know man i don't know that's the thing is like i'm very very confused on how i feel about this movie <laughs> well I your default is I feel like especially when it's something that like is like ooh do I or do I not your default is to be like no I liked it and defend it so the fact that you're even on the fence makes me feel a little bit more validated um just like again I didn't hate it I just felt like all right that could have been better um yeah. but I know a lot of people really love this movie mm -hmm. um I would be curious to like talk to someone who did like genuine like you know love it way more than either of us um, to see like, like what they loved and what they didn't and whatever, but I I just think there wasn't enough forward more momentum, like it felt 
once she left Amanda's house, it felt very. All right, what are we doing? Yeah, I um, I would love to have a conversation with Rose Glass. I think I'd love to have a conversation with her about it because I have a lot of questions. Because this it is a movie that definitely resonated with me. I definitely liked it, really liked it. Um, I even loved it, but I didn't like think it was the most amazing thing since Hereditary, you know. Um, but it did resonate with me quite a bit because, like, I come from the world of Catholicism. Like, this is, like, an extreme version of that, you know. But there are people who get this in their head just like her. And that sort of... I, I remember being there in, in a headspace like that where every single thing you did, you questioned what was God thinking about it and if that was okay and if that was, you know, if this is wrong to do or if this is wrong to do or, like... um you have to go about doing something like this or like, it, it's just, it is an, like a maddening headspace to be in. You're never right. You're never doing the right thing. Your head is constantly spinning and there's never like, and it's part of some organized religion that is always telling you that, no, that's not the right way to do it. This is the right way to do that. And you, and you have like all of these different sects like Christianity or like, you know, and then you have like Judaism and every, everybody's telling you this is the way to worship God. And it just will make you fucking crazy, man. <laughs> like, organized religion is the devil, man. Zachary, did you ever go to Catholic school? Yes. No, no, not like that. Not like, no, I, I took the, like, Sunday schools and stuff like that. I never went All right, to Catholic asshole. school. Well, I went to Catholic yes. school. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> so I also grew up around it. Um, I think I just always thought it was caca. Because hmm. um, I went to Sunday school. I went to Catholic school. I went to a Catholic high school for two years. I got so much detention that my mom took me out of the school because I hated it so much. Mm -hmm. um, and I like wasn't a bad kid. I just would always mouth off. The, a nun kicked me out of religion class before because um, she was like, you know, abortion is always evil. And I was like, what about rape? And she was like, you make a good thing out of a bad thing. And I was like, that's stupid. And she was like, get out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I grew up around it too. So I, I get it. And I do often find it creepy in movies, but she was so far that I felt mm -hmm. like it didn't creep me out as much as like she creeped me out. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like her, the character creeped me out, not the like religious aspect because she was, there was never a moment when it was like, Oh, she's just like kind of like this, like nice younger religious girl who's maybe a little bit lost. It was always like, Ooh, she's going to do a murder. She's like unhinged. Um, yeah, I think it just, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I, I think it, I definitely want to do a rewatch at some point. Not anytime soon. You but watched I it twice this weekend. Like, I know, I know, but I, I like it. I do like it. Um, and it's it's one that made me think a little bit. So um, it's just it's just one of those examples because it is very extreme. It's one of those examples of like how far down a road can you go. I love movies that kind of explore how far down a road you can go based on any sort of idea you know you can take something to the i can i'm eating jelly beans right now i could take eating jelly beans down a way too far down the road you know to to an extreme and i think a lot of religious people do that um geez i mean you you drive through alabama and there's there's houses that have like at least a thousand signs out front about like god and and it's it's insanely it's just scary to drive by those houses you think about being in that house with those people and what type of headspace those people are in and it's terrifying and that's what i saw here in this movie i i mean i always remember when it comes to that i think of so me and my friends one of my friends his parents used to own a very nice 
beach house in Myrtle Beach. And we would drive from New Jersey to Myrtle Beach, which I not even going to try to pretend I remember how many hours that is because I don't know what geography because I have a smooth brain. But when we would drive through those more Southern states, there would be way more churches and Jesus billboards than like anything else. Mm-hmm. And I can remember being like, hmm, I don't feel safe. Um, and like, so I, I get what you're saying. Like for me, anytime we did that drive, I would always be creeped out because it would be like, and everything looks old. It's like, not even like you're like a like fancy church or fancy, it looks like it's from like the sixties. So then I'm like even more like, ooh, I'm gonna be killed here. Um, so yeah, no, I, 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 do, I do understand what you're saying. Um, I think it was that it was more all in her head. We never encountered, a, there wasn't another religious person in the movie, it was like just her. Um, mm-hmm. So I think maybe that's why the religious factor didn't quite get there for me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean, like, again, it doesn't mean I hated it. It just, it was more about her being creepy than the religion for me. Well, thank you guys so much for watching. Where can everybody find uh, My Bloody Judy? You can find us in Slayerfest 98's podcast stream, which you can find on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, and other corners of the internet. You can find us on social media at SlayerFestX98. And where can they watch us on YouTube, Zachary? Well, if you've made it to the end of this episode and you're watching, you know exactly where you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube at ACB Bonus Features. Yeah, and that's that. Okay, this is uh, St. Maud. I don't remember. I, my schedule's all messed up in my head. been thinking about God too much during this episode. So I do not know what we have coming up next, but... You know, stay tuned. High tension. We'll have something. Is I think high tension is before this. It'll be out before this one. Oh, I don't know. I never know. What this <laughs> I don't fucking know. But we have lots in store for you. You know, we're gonna wear we're gonna wear uh, showgirl outfits in one episode. We're gonna dress like uh, like Ooh. roller derby women. Speaking of which, okay. you can uh, become a patron of SlayerFest98's Patreon, where you can get My Bloody Judy bonus yes. episodes. And what are they called, Zachary? My Nudie Judy. We're probably going to have other stuff connected to My Bloody Judy, too. We just haven't worked that out yet. But, like, there's going to be tons over there. Like, tons of extra SlayerFest98 stuff over on the SlayerFest98 Patreon, including episodes of My Nudie Judy. My Nudie Judy is going to be... Here, let's, let's car salesman here. It is going to be... Raunchy! It is gonna be NC-17 X-rated. X-rated it's gonna be. We're gonna be talking about dicks and balls and cock and a hole. All of it together and every episode. So, go subscribe. I'll suck a dick live on video. <laughs> it's not gonna be mine. But we'll have a raffle to see who can suck my penis. Lester's <laughs> <laughs> uh, gonna be so mad at me. Um, <laughs> make sure you go subscribe to the SlayerFest98 uh, Patreon everybody we'll have a link down below for that as well but thank you guys so much for watching and we hope you have, uh, have a great rest of your week bye bye